recording with got it. the one and only Dr. Roseanne Barr mm -hmm. and Dr. Robert Malone. A lot of people don't know that Dr. Roseanne Barr is actually the co-inventor of the mRNA, mRNA vaccine. She is also on the patents. And um, we were just talking, Dr. Malone was telling us about how smoking actually protects you against COVID. And Miss Barr here is telling Hello. you guys, she's actions speak louder than words. Don't just, don't just preach it, practice it. And that's what you're doing right now, correct? Well, my kids got on me. They said, Mom, you better quit smoking because you're going to get the COVID and it's going to go to your weakened lungs. Okay, so I so I quit because they were driving me nuts. As soon as I quit, I got the effing COVID, doctor. Yep, that's... <laughs> and that's... then I said, by God, right after that I read, they were saying smoking keeps COVID away. A cigarette a day keeps the effing COVID away. And I'm like, everything I think is right. And all these doctors, save you, sir, are completely wrong. And they know they're wrong. I, they must know they're wrong. They know they're wrong, for God's sake. Putting all the old people. I mean, they did this shit on purpose. Am I right? Uh, I don't know. Somebody did something on purpose. Uh, I uh, I sure hope they didn't kill people on purpose. Uh, let's just leave it at that. That would be... Uh pretty bad situation but there's no question that uh um what's been done here over the last three years is absolutely wrong and was counterproductive for public health um and uh and there's also no question that a lot of people that just kept their heads on their shoulders and thought for themselves were able to figure stuff out that even the great dr fauci seems to have had problems figuring out didn't you love that video of Dr. Fauci going to that black guy's house and that black guy yeah. just came out and blasted him with a big old shot of the truth and he withered under it, that Dr. Fauci. That was classic. That video that whole was... PBS special was classic. Uh um, the man has no lack of ego. That that video was great. He was like, Y'all he's like, Y'all are like offering money, you're threatening people. He's like, something else is going on. Something else is going on, and he shuts the door. That was fantastic. What a great American he is. Hell yeah. Um, Dr. Malone, so so how can you how can you cause so you know, obviously Miss Barr was canceled and you were canceled. And I think the importance of this is to show that canceling has no preference. It doesn't give a shit. It it will attack you if you do not follow the party line. But I think both of you have come out stronger for it, which is what they hate. Could you maybe speak on that how and cause it sort of does unleash you entirely. And I think my favorite thing is just Miss Barr walking around saying, uh, you know, a lot of my family are vaccinated libtards. And she can say more eloquently than I think either you or I could say, Dr. Malone. Could you maybe speak <laughs> on that, Miss Barr? How it just really takes the, you just, it really just removes the filter. Once you've been canceled, you go, the, I got nothing. So I'll become even more lethal. Uh, well, I don't like your terms of words there because I don't, think it's lethal not lethal unless you think it's lethal to the devil the father of lies then yes i well, will yeah lethal I in terms of truth yes. shooting shooting at the heart lethal the heart the of guys. the beast yes the heart of the beast good, shots to the heart of the lying beast i mean good the lethal beast is just all a lie so every lie feeds it you know mm -hmm. it's made up of lies and so i don't like lies i like truth because one thing the older you get you can't, once you start lying, you know, you can't remember what you said. 
<laughs> can't remember your lie. <laughs> What's the? Isn't that the Winnie the Pooh quote? If you just tell the truth, you don't need to remember anything. That's my excuse for That's being right. an idiot. Yeah. That's right. Dr. Malone? Yeah, so uh, I agree that um, when the most dangerous person in the world is the one that has nothing to lose. Correct. And when they've already pulled out all the stops to attack you and to uh, ridicule you and gaslight you and deplatform you, it sets you free. You you no longer have to worry about whether or not they're going to gaslight you and defame you and ridicule and and deplatform you because they've already done it. It's and liberation. you survive. Um, and and once you realize that the worst that they can do to you, well, that's I mean, there's always something worse. But for the most part, uh, you know, if they do all that stuff to you and the New York Times and the Washington Post and Atlantic Monthly and Rolling Stone and yada, 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 they all write their nasty little snark. And uh, yet people still want to hear what you have to say whether you're sharing comedy, uh, because comedy is absolutely one of the best weapons. Comedy is absolutely a fifth generation warfare weapon. <laughs> and uh, JP Sears knows it, Ro Roseanne yes. Barr knows it. And uh, by the way, High Res the Rapper knows it. If you saw today's uh, new rap video release uh, called What is it. the Truth? No. Wow. So that just dropped today at two o'clock. Uh, I, I could recommend that for your consideration. Uh, Tommy, you can put that in the links. <laughs> I uh, will. Um, hey, I have to put, uh, what do you call it? Honk my horn for everybody to go watch my hour special on absolutely. Fox Nation. You got to buy the app. People don't know that, but you got to buy the Fox Nation app, which you'll be able to see a lot of Yellowstone on there. So go ahead. Or the yeah. making of Yellowstone. And, you know, don't you love that bass? She's the real American woman, I think, that bass. Go support Roseanne. She's hard, and she, she, does, <laughs> she understands the truth and how to wield it. Yeah, we're we're big Yellowstone fans, too. Uh, as you know, we uh, you're there in Hawaii, right? Well, I'm in Texas, too. Oh, you're oh. in Texas right now. now. Okay. Oh, last time it was Hawaii. I apologize. I'm fake okay. news, Dr. Malone. I told yeah, you she was so in Hawaii. So there's there's uh, Beth really kind of uh, catches the whole ethic, doesn't she? Just in she your face, does. I don't give a damn. Uh, go stuff it. Um, I'm gonna do what I want to do. You know that's that's real freedom. And that I love when she walks in the boardroom and she's like, uh, she's all dressed up to the nines. You know she's so gorgeous. Or uh -huh. sometimes she has a scar on her face with black eyes and she don't give an F. And she goes in there anyway and she's like, I've just bought you gentlemen out. You're fired. I love that. <laughs> that, was, that was a great scene. I think Costner and that whole production company have done us all a huge favor. They've reminded yeah. us what being American is. Haven't they? Yep. And Kevin Costner... He is like, you know, Whitney Houston, she told me once, I said, what's, why, why is everyone so crazy over him? He looks like all my neighbors in Salt Lake City. And she said, well, he's the finest looking white man I've ever seen. I said, you've got to be kidding. He looks like the kid across the street that held his family hostage. 
you know, I don't think he was that cute. But now when I see him on Yellowstone, I'm like, that is one nice hunk of man meat right there. <laughs> yeah, he's and boy, he's built a franchise. That that production crew is just knocking it out of the park. They're fantastic. Um, the cinematography is gorgeous. I mean, absolutely. the heart of every character is just gold. I love that one. Everybody's got a heart of gold, but they're still, you know, taking the knocks and and there's no, uh, you know, I love how the uh, the Native American community gets along with them too. I like how everybody's really on the on the, uh, you know, they're they're trying to make a dollar, and they're. I mean, it's it's pretty staggering about the uh, amount of things people have to do to stay in business in this country. You know. That's yep. kind of scary. But they sure hate Californians, don't they? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah they hate Californians. A lot of people down here in Texas do, too. They're like, don't bring California down here to Texas. And particularly Austin. Yeah, I, I go there because that's where Joe Rogan's Comedy Club is, which is a fantastic club called The Mothership there. And... Uh, I've seen some fantastic comedians like Dave Chappelle just dropped in and, you know, people just drop in. It's a fun, fun place because the audience is great. It's a great audience of thinkers down there, uh, every stripe, you know, and walk of life and uh, all different opinions. And yet, like my daughter told me, mom, don't go down there. It's a blue city. They'll hate your guts, you know. Okay. And uh, then this one night, um, my my friend uh, uh, Ron O'Kright. I can't remember his last name right now because I'm old. The great comic. What's his name? Ron White. Oh. <laughs> he paid your salad. Uh, he brought me up, you know, and I just uh, had a couple. So I'm like, all right. I was had my booze brave thing on. So you like and, you think uh, Austin you, you think you can survive in I Austin? I didn't let I didn't let my daughter scare. Me. Yeah, I didn't let my daughter scare me too bad. And they were the nicest people I've ever been in front of, and uh, they loved all my anti-liberal jokes. And okay. I just was so happy they were thinkers. You know, they weren't sitting there thinking if it was politically correct or not. They were yeah. laughing at the jokes, and I I had hope for our our youth yeah i got to i've only been to austin once i got to go meet alex jones on new year's eve 2021 wow, cool. and at like nine in the morning he ordered ribs and i was sitting in this room and he's got this he's got this room at infowars and all the walls are whiteboards i've told this story before and they're all blank except for one of them he's just written one period like he's a list but just says one and it just says mind control and he walks in and he looks at me and he goes, don't take a picture of that. That's a secret. I was like, why? And he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. How are you doing, kid? And I was like, fuck yeah, Alex Jones. But that's my only experience with Austin is eating ribs with Alex Jones at nine in the morning. That's um, awesome. He's a fantastic guy. I just love him. I'm just so jealous him. of that picture of you, Alex Jones, and Tim Dillon. 
I, I saw that picture. When I like, was so you jealous. Your parents are just human. I I <laughs> love I love that caption. It just uh, Alex. <laughs> there's another picture of of Tim Dillon when he was in Alex Jones' studio last week, and there's like a still, and he's reading the ads, and you see Alex looking at him, and someone just goes, "It's so great to watch a father watch their son grow up." That's <laughs> <It's just laughs> great. Um, but I I want to go back to what what you what you said earlier, Doctor Malone, about I'd never actually heard that though. Funny it being a fifth generation war uh, tactic, and what Miss Barr said, and when we did a show last year, and you said that the goal of becoming so I think you said to become so fucking funny that it is undeniable, and it's a great sentence just on its face. But once you tear it apart, it is true. No ministry of truth, no amount of censorship, no amount of you know, that word's banned or, you know, ooh, that's iffy. When something's really funny, it's the laugh is you don't control it. You don't choose to laugh. So you don't choose to that's fall right. in love. You don't choose to like get jumped. You know, a movie scares you. You get it's reflexive. And you said to be so funny that to become undeniable. And that applies everywhere. So if you make a joke about Fauci or about vaccine injuries, and it is so funny. For a split moment, my entire... big joke is I go, uh, hey, all you you people that are upset about them overturning Roe v. Wade, you young women, you got nothing to worry about. You're never going to get pregnant. Get over it. It is. It is true. Yeah. You see this woman weigh like 600 pounds with neon pink hair and they're like, you ain't getting none of this. And it's like, bro, no one was. Nobody was going for it, but God no, bless. No, but I mean, you know, With the vaccine. Yeah, I think that the vaccine. I mean, what? Maybe it's one of my old lady conspiracy theories, but I just feel like, you know, it, I think, you know, when I read uh, statistics about how many miscarriages and stuff and stillbirths people have had that have been vaxxed, you know, uh, I think they are trying to sterilize a generation. It, I had on a, a Dr. Thorpe. What do you and, think, Doctor? Yeah, Dr. Malone. Why am I talking? Dr. Malone, you talk. Yeah, why this. are you talking? I'll, Pipe I'll, down. I'll, You're I'll, young I'll, and dumb. Yes, ma'am. I'll shut up. Yes, ma'am. So, Roseanne, my, my problem is that I don't see the documents. I We can all see that the likes of Klaus Schwab and the WEF and Bill Gates talk about depopulation all the time. Yeah. And they have for years. Yeah, they do it um, in broad daylight. And uh, Bill Gates and his foundation have been involved in vaccine studies that seem to be designed to cause black women to not have babies in Africa. Hello. Um, so uh, that's, that's what we know. And uh, it kind of doesn't matter whether it was their intention or not, it's happening. Right. And um, whether they they did it on purpose or they were just stupid and didn't think, the consequences are are happening. I was just I had to cut short a, a Zoom call to take this one with a, a group of physicians in Brazil, and they're really worried because they're seeing uh, these spontaneous abortions and birth defects, and when women are finally delivering they're having real problems with blood clots for themselves and their babies, particularly the women that are vaccinated and boosted. 
So it's being reported all over the world and they're doing their best to hide it and to pretend like it's not a problem. But Roseanne, there's one, one example that I, I love to cite. Um, I was called to what's called a rabbinical court in New mm -hmm. York City really early on, soon after they rolled out the jabs. And uh, it was bizarre because it was like sitting around with about 10 different Gandalfs, uh, all these old rabbis. And they knew that there was reproductive harms happening to the women. Uh, and uh, because they monitor their menstruation, it's really important for Orthodox Jews to monitor yeah. reproduction. And they knew this was happening. And they came out with a determination, an actual uh, judicial determination from the rabbinical court that it outlawed taking these vaccines in children and young women because of the reproductive damage. And that was two years ago. And I then know. it took a year until the CDC acknowledged that something was going on. And then just a month and a half ago, we heard Pfizer, that uh, young gentleman uh, that uh, James O'Keefe caught with his uh, um, uh, shorts down, metaphorically. Uh, and he said that Pfizer believes that this is damaging women's reproduction. I and saw that video. And then did you see the guy scramble? Uh, jumping across the floor to try to tear the tape out of the camera. I sure did. Um, uh, that wow. that, uh, you know, apparently he's still employed by Pfizer. They can't fire him now. So, yeah, but but back on the back on the topic of comedy, I don't. I'm you're a comic. I'm not. But what I learn from people that are professionals like you is that good comedy has to be grounded in truth. Of course. And so when they outlawed the truth, it's hard to write comedy, you know, and they love that. They know how powerful comedy is. And that's where they try to censor it first before they censor journalists. Now they're on to the journalists after they got all the comics. You know, that's how they do it in every single uh, color revolution that they throw in the world. And they always have done it that way. You know, even Kings did it that way. To, to your point, I was in Austria, in Vienna, a couple of months mm -hmm. ago. And yeah. as you know, Austria is all about the arts. I know. It, and I, I went to that big ball they have there. It was fantastic. Yeah, they, they know how to put on a show. Oh, and uh, so we went there and we found out that at the very front edge of the outbreak, the Austrian government came in and paid off all the artists all the musicians, all the influencers, just like they did here in the United States with Hollywood and with um, New York City. They paid them all off to cause them to uh, not say anything about the jabs or to, to promote them. Um, it was the same exact strategy all over the world. They must have spent a ton of money on basically buying artists yeah. and musicians and influencers. Yeah. Did you see that well, happening in, in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. It's always happening in Hollywood. I mean, you hear about people living in these multi-million dollar house and they made one movie 40 years ago, you know. <laughs> you know, they, you know, I mean, yeah, there's big money in um, selling out. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, name my show that. 
big money in selling out. But uh, yeah, that's Hollywood. It's all a sellout place. There's there's nothing there's nothing artistic at all coming out of there. I mean, there is as far as like uh, innovative technology, but there's no stories that have any living soul in them. Yeah, it's all woke. Right? That's what that's what it was supposed to be about to lift the spirits of the masses. Now they crush them. And they sneer at you while they're doing and while they overcharge you. I mean, everything is the sneer and the punching down. That's what it is. And that's what they tried to make comedy. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of what it is. It's like, I don't know when I always talk to a lot of comics about this. Like, when did you know you were funny and what did you, you know, how did, you know, how did you live with it? Because you know, it's like an obsession for a lot of us and we can't do nothing else. We don't want to do anything else. And uh, we love it so much because we know that we're allowed to speak truth to power on behalf of the audience. And we don't take that lightly at all because we are, we feel we were put here to do something and to say something and to cause something or set something in motion or to get people to question things that they really should question and not to go so blindly to the showers. Um, that's my obsession. And I've, I, I'm not going to quit, you know, they're not going to make me quit. I mean, they, they can ban me from everywhere, but right now, um, like 20 years ago, I built a studio and uh, I wanted to do what everybody's doing right now, but I only had 1% of computer owners that knew how to access live uh, stuff. So I had to wait 20 years, you know, for it to I'm happen. Sorry. Yeah, it's weird that we have this great technology and no idea how what to do with it because they have to figure out how to monetize crap, you know? Yeah. And it's like so weird, but you know, I, one thing you were saying I wanted to ask you about philosophically, and that is that uh, I feel that we don't, our enemy is not other people. I feel like our enemy is a force that gets into people and makes them do horrible anti-human things to their fellow humans. I think you know? a lot of people, so I think you're touching on this kind of rebirth of spiritualism. Well, I don't call it spiritualism. I don't like that word. A lot that of people sounds like somebody in a turban telling you your future. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so these ideas about the devil. Yeah. And the existence of evil. Yeah. Um. There. There's no. So more and more and more people are the polls show it during the mm -hmm. last three years are turning to Judeo Christian uh and Muslim you know more uh deep uh, religious uh, faith. Yeah. And, and furthermore, it's really clear in touring that it's the people of faith that are most resistant 
to the psyops, to all of this propaganda. There's yeah. something about being in a community of faith that's protective. Yeah. I agree. And it's I you can see it all over the world. And I'm I'm fascinated by it. Me uh, too. It and that there's more, I, I can tell you my wife and I feel um are are much more uh committed to uh if you don't want to call it spiritualism, uh call it belief, uh, than we were before this. You cannot deny that the role of evil in what's happened over the last three years. But I'm, do you, did you ever read this 20th century Jewish philosopher named Hannah Arndt or Arendt? Oh yes, of course. So you're familiar with this uh, Eichmann um, in Israel, the, the Eichmann trial coverage yeah. that she did, Eichmann in Jerusalem mm -hmm. and her logic of uh, the banality of evil. Right, that, exactly. That, That's exactly what drives me effing bananas. Because I'm like, just because everybody's doing it, why does that make it okay for you to think to do it? Don't you think? Right. It's like your parents used to tell you, well, if if your friends are going to go jump off a building, would you go jump off a building too, right. just because your friends <laughs> are doing it? But yeah. I guess the answer is yeah. For a lot of people. Um. So there's this great, You've. I'm sure you know Aldous Huxley then. Mm -hmm. uh, Brave New World, right? There's yeah. a video of him in about 1962 giving an interview in which he talks about uh, hypnosis mm -hmm. and psyops in the government. And, and he says that history has shown, and there's multiple studies, that about 20% of people are easily hypnotized. Yeah. And about 20% of people just can't be hypnotized no matter what you do. Yeah. And the other 60% are kind of in between. Mm -hmm. And the same exact numbers show up in the people that get totally caught up in the propaganda and mm -hmm. believe whatever the state tells them. And the ones that just um, are skeptical about everything. And they're the same groups. The people that can't be hypnotized are the same people that question everything and are always skeptical in, in wondering what's really going on. And I think it Huxley talks about this and he says, Huxley talked about it being adaptive, good for society, that you want some part of society that'll just kind of go along because otherwise it's just anarchy. We're a bunch of anarchists and we can't get anything done. Um, and you want some fraction of society that's skeptical and he thought that it was evolutionarily good that things were like this, but there's no question that we see these same numbers play out again and again. And I like to talk about this when I talk to folks as, as making the point that if we hate those people, if we bring hate in our heart to those people that said all that ugly stuff over the last three years, you know, the, those people that said we should, you know, people should be allowed to die and they shouldn't be able to go to the hospital and they should be put in camps, all that ugly stuff. Um, if we hate those people, we can never help bring them along so they're on our side. No, we I have agree. To, we have to somehow reach them and help them wake up 
if we want to ever have a majority so we don't find ourselves ruled by Klaus Schwab and his, you know, his ilk. Well, the key is if you cannot laugh at yourself, you are already brainwashed and too far gone. So you better think about that because everyone who can't laugh at themselves is a fascist. There you go. I figured it out for you. People who have the, the vast need to laugh at everyone around them except themselves, such as the people who got me fired, <laughs> um, they're fascists. That's one thing fascists can't do. Um, laugh at themselves and two, dialogue. A lot of, a lot of those people are narcissists. Uh, Aren't they? Oh my God, I, I really want to talk about narcissism. People have no idea that all of the people that they value and, uh, you know, what, what do you call it, idolize are mostly narcissists. That's what they're teaching people subconsciously, I think. I agree. I think we're raising generations of children to be uh, privileged narcissists no. that feel like they can't, here's, here's the thing that really bugs me, uh, Roseanne, is I think we're raising children to believe that they need to be protected from everything, including ideas that are different from the ones that they were brought up with. I think that we're teaching children that ideas are dangerous, and they're the ones that are then going and working for Silicon Valley and Facebook and Twitter and saying that any ideas that are different from their ideas have to be suppressed. I think it's because we brought them up to be narcissists and to be intolerant. This is the paradox of California Silicon Valley culture. They're actually intolerant of diversity, diversity of opinion, diversity of thought. Well, the thing is, here's what I think, that they are a bunch of privileged, snot-nosed, spoiled egotistical little ungrateful little bastards that couldn't hold a real job if their life depended on it and you know why they're like that from this f and giving everybody a trophy at the, at the baseball game yep. I, that used to make me so mad you know they banned me from the from the baseball field too because <laughs> they they used to go like a kid and get up there my son played and he was really good because he practiced well, so these kids, they'd only come, you know, to the game. They, they thought that, you know, everybody was blessed that they showed up to the game, but they never came to practice. Well, they get up there and they sucked. And then they still, everybody still said, good job, and still said, good job to them. And it made me so mad. And so I just started screaming because I have a low, uh, I don't have a lot of self-control when I'm angry. Well, I have more now. I, but I, then I, I was like, you hey, you, hey, keep your eye on the ball, okay? Tell your mother to bring you to practice so you can improve and we can win. That's what it's about, winning. It's not about just getting up there and hitting the ball. You've got to hit the ball. And that was not good. And um, so all, all, all the all the moms, of course, I was in my, probably my 50s by then. They were all like 21. They were snot no second wives, you know. And uh, so they're like, that isn't, that isn't loving and helpful. 
And you know what? And they give them all the trophy. And, you know, I said, that's what's exactly wrong with the world. Those kids who've never been told no, they've never been punished for any of the infractions that they've done. They've never had to say, I'm so sorry and pay somebody back for the crap they've caused somebody. They've been covered for. They all belong in prison. I swear to God, I'm so angry at them. And they walk around with nothing but arrogance. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what Judaism says about it. It says in our holy books that arrogance and ignorance always go together and result in the undoing of the person. You don't have to do anything against them. They'll do it to themselves. And I see we're seeing a nationwide view of that right now, and uh, which I'm loving every second of it. But anyway, so... You know, and it always has a sneer. Someone who is possessed of arrogance and ignorance always has a sneer. And so, uh, you know, that's who we're being ruled by and have been ruled by since that whole Obama fiasco where we were so brainwashed into voting for somebody who hated us and thought we were doing a good deed. I mean, we are so brainwashed and stupid and they're, everyone hates us, and we're still like, why don't they love us? Well, because we take no self-account whatsoever of what we've done or caused other people. We're so arrogant and ignorant, we're our own undoing, and we better wake up. So, Roseanne, should, should Texas secede? Yes. <laughs> And that we should stop funding the UN because they're all they're doing is trying Amen. to cause trouble for people and kill people. Damn, they Amen. don't do a damn right. They all say, you know what? I know the real thing they're doing, and so do you. But we won't even talk of it because you know that's from, you know, the down below. And by God, the, the sunshine is out now. The sunshine of the internet. And things that they've hidden, they can't be hidden no more. And people are going to get, you know, people better wake up because this yep. is the last place on earth where people have any say in their government, although we don't right now since they overthrew the government of the United States. And it was easy. They did it twice. Twice they've overthrown the government of the United States, uh, you know, constitutional republic, twice right in front of our eyes and none of us can see it because we're so brainwashed. So what do you think about Carrie Lake? Well, I think she's right. The cartels are in charge of that state and most states in that area. But it's the but cartels she's... that run our Congress, that and Hamas. Are you kidding me? She's and pretty smart. China. We She's don't have nobody lady, to represent the American people. These people we vote to be our public servants, they better get out of the servant business. They don't know the first thing about being a servant. They actually think like all my writers on the Roseanne show thought that the, that the show was about them and I had to bust them back too. I said, this show ain't about you. You know, but anyway, now, you know, they stole my show, so I don't know what the hell. But, you know, it's there for everybody to see it, even though they don't want to. But it's getting to the point where even if you don't want to see it, you're going to see it. It's coming to you. People that say, I don't, 
I don't care. I'm not interested in politics. Good. Well, politics is interested in you, stupid. And it's coming right to your door. And you will be ill prepared because you better wake up. Damn it. <laughs> so, Roseanne, you ever think about getting yourself a studio? I got one. I built okay. it 20 years ago. Well, I'm I mean, about now. ready to get out there and start telling people what they better do because they're raising their kids all wrong for number one. And I'm sick of seeing that. Why does it fall to me to have to be the one to slap your kids in the grocery store while you're on your phone texting pictures of your fat ass to your Instagram account? <laughs> yep. Well, this this is, Roseanne, I, I did it. I did it. And you can do it, too, for sure. Um, this, how do you this... like how you're doing now? You like how are you? You remind me of the people I grew up with. I have to say, you are you're a person who knows how to wrap that truth in some layers of sugar, and you are a very very good speaker. And I I like and respect that you speak the truth, sir. I try, and thank you. The truth is kind of slippery sometimes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yep. But this here is an old pig barn. Really? This was built in 1945, and we converted it to our little studio. That's cool. Do you like what you're doing? Um, I don't like being attacked. That's no fun, and you know that. Yeah, that isn't very fun. Yep. Um, But it's it's neat to be in your 60s, and feel like you might be able to help people and make a difference. I never expected this. I thought I was just going to retire and, you know, right off into the sunset and, and have baby horses. Uh, but uh, what were you thinking when you came up with that mRNA deal? What what benefit did you think you were given to humanity with that? Well, remember, I was 28. So that was 1988 to 1991. And I wanted to be a gene therapy guy. I wanted to treat children with genetic disease. And I was working on gene therapy tech, and this just kind of came out of it. And uh, once, once the technology was out there, then the question is, what are you going to do with it? And I had enough background in vaccines that I thought, well, it's not going to be good enough to cure kids of muscular dystrophy or cystic fibrosis, but it might be good enough to produce an immune response. And so that was the idea of the vaccines. But I worked and worked on it through the 90s at UC Davis and uh, then at U Maryland. And I could never solve the problems. The problems were the inflammation, this uh, you know kind of infection-like thing that you get after it. And so I abandoned the technology and I turned to other things. And then eventually I got, I, I had started a company uh, with some people from, from the Netherlands and then the planes hit the towers and the investors pulled back and my wife and I were left high and dry in Rockville. And uh, a friend got me a job with a new company up in Frederick, Maryland, working on biodefense for the military. And that's how got, got, I got started on all this. So that's that's how that came to pass. It was just one thing after another. You know how it is. Well, you've had a good career and and you have a special gift. 
Uh, but for me, it's it's really always been competitive. Uh, it's 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 a been a kind of a little bit of a tough road being at the very end of the baby boom. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that's the way it is. And so I've always had to be a little bit scrappy. Uh, you may may or may not know that I was first a carpenter and a farmhand before I became a physician and a scientist. Oh, uh, so I've always had to work, you know, and work my way up. And uh, so when when the whole biodefense thing happened, I thought I was doing good. I thought I was helping people, helping protect them against infectious disease and biowarfare. But then, you know, everything went south. It all became corrupted. It became part of the whole military industrial complex. And uh, and it kind of got worse and worse and worse. And then we had these last three years that had just been, you know, barking mad. And uh, so that's, you know, I had to come out and say, no, this is not right. What you're doing to people isn't right. It's not ethical. And uh, it's not right to bypass all the things that you're supposed to do to make things, make sure. Whoops, he froze. He froze up. Say to me, Robert, why did you do this? You know, you must have some financial interest. There must be some angle you're working. I can tell you this is not fun. I threw away a business that I built, a consulting business, because it was the right thing to say, no, this isn't, this isn't right. I, I love this quote lately from Martin Luther King. It's always the right time to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's that's justification enough. When this young, uh, you know, talk about assholes, uh, this young reporter from the Atlantic Monthly was pestering me to write that nasty article that they wrote about me. Um, he, on, the, on our last interview, he kept saying, he didn't understand why I was doing this, that there must be some financial angle that I was working. And I told him, no, I was doing it because it was the right thing to do. He couldn't believe it. These young people think that everybody has got to have an angle. There's got to be some profit motive. They can't believe that people would actually do something because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I know that that blows people's minds. But but we've got it. Folks like you and me are sometimes I feel like we're like the last bastion, um, a little bit like Kevin Costner uh, sitting there on the Yellowstone Ranch uh, and uh, and trying to maintain a way of life and a way of being that is vanishing. But that doesn't yeah. mean we should stop doing it. You know, when you say that, it's so sad because you think about what's vanishing is and what people don't know enough to value is the rights of the individual against the vast state. That's what they're after. That's what they want gone. That's what the whole UN wants gone. That's what they fear the most is that there would be an individual who had actual liberty and freedom. And, um, you know, we have to get that back here and uh we have to first we won't get it back as long as we don't want it as long as we don't know it's gone i mean we have to know it's gone we have to want it and desire it and crave it to get it back otherwise the things we do are pure bullshit 
And it really blows my mind that people are not craving liberty. I mean, what, what do they think? Where do they think they live? I mean, my God, it's just so horrifying and shocking. I, I, I'm with you. Most people want to be told what to do. Mm. It's only a small fraction of us that really want to be free. And being free is tough. It's not an easy road. Because when, when bad stuff happens, you've got to own it. You can't blame somebody else, right? Yeah, that reminds me of in Exodus in the Bible where that uh, uh, two-thirds of the slaves that got away from Egypt wanted to go back. Hmm. They were mad at Moses and they're like, hey, Hey, wasn't wasn't there any graves in Egypt they could have buried us in? It's actually funny if you read it right. And uh and then they're like, at least we had fresh fish back there in uh Egypt. Yeah, you can't even find any fish out, you know. <laughs> but uh they didn't even know enough to value it. They didn't know what it was, you know. And I guess there's so many people in America that they don't know what liberty is. They, they've never had it. And that, that's just so sad. Especially the people that live in the big city. Yeah. People that live in the big city, they definitely took that away from them. They, they took all that away from them. But, uh, you know, they have, uh, there's no job. So, I mean, there's no jobs. That's the problem. That's why I liked President Trump is because he was the only one talking about jobs. Nobody was talking about jobs. They're still not talking about jobs and they're getting elected or whatever. I don't know what the hell they're doing. But uh, people want jobs and that's the last thing they're talking about. They don't have to. I guess they'd rather talk about, you know, should children be uh, sterilized when they're five? Are they smart enough at age five to consent to lifelong sterilization if they have a feeling and nobody tells them, no, you're not a girl. I mean, here, they're like, here, you get a participation trophy in gender. Yeah. So crazy. But this is how they do. This is how they have mind control programs to make us question ourselves instead of us questioning them. Such as, where'd our money go? Yep. Yeah, the, the money is is another hot topic. Do you do Bitcoin or any of that stuff? Well, they tried to get me in that Bitcoin. In the beginning, I was into it and was talking to Max and Stacy and all that stuff because they invented it. But um, it just seemed like when I read that Bitcoin is how a lot of these uh, perverts are paying for their sex trade, I just didn't want nothing to do with it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want nothing to do with that. I don't want nothing to do with anything that goes to that you know that that is from below and uh you know i'm trying to stay above so i don't i don't care about it you know horses when you're out here in texas you see cows they're they're living in a great big pasture full of food and it's free so if cows and horses and such can do it maybe humans can do it too if they think about it enough you grow any food? You have a garden there in Texas? I don't yet in Texas, but out in Hawaii, I sure do. And in 2010, I'm proud to say I helped uh, get Monsanto kicked off the big island of Hawaii. 
That's what propelled me to oh, run. Oh, you were part of that. Well, good for you. And that propelled me to run for president of the United States because uh, I was like, here's how you do it. I figured it out is that um, you were talking about public health. So I said, well, I'd like to see the studies that the state did uh, on the children of Hawaii uh, as a result of using Roundup and, and Monsanto products on the crops. And you know what? There wasn't no a one. Yeah, of course. So, so you live on the big island or where you live? Yeah, big island. And I, I have fruit and nuts. I got, I grow mac nuts, beautiful uh -huh. mac nuts that can feed the world, you know? Yeah, macadamias are good and Hawaiian macs are the best. Yeah. Although they grow yeah. some good ones in Santa Barbara where I grew up. Um, They're beautiful did you know that? Nuts. Did you remember when we did our rallies on Maui, the physicians? We No, we I never I never go over there to Maui, too crowded. But I heard about it. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big rally. I think it's one of the biggest we had. Um it was almost 10% of the population of Maui. Because uh um you know what happened was as you know, the islands were destroyed. People were just were devastated. It went from one of the best economies to one of the worst because of mismanagement and those bloody lockdowns. Yeah. I mean, that's- Well, some of us think that that was a point that they, you know, some of us think that this was not an accident. None of it was an accident. You know, um, like Bill Gates and uh, Agenda, it was Agenda 21, but then, you know, they changed it to Agenda 30, I guess, because of Trump or whatever. But, you know, they got a little off their timeline, but, you know, they they have to, they need to get rid of a lot of people. They have to depopulate. A lot of people have to go so that they can continue to live their lifestyle. So I heard that Bill Gates is scooping up a lot of the land, a lot of the old sugarcane land. Yeah, he is. Oprah did too. Oprah owns a lot of Maui. <clears throat> but... um yeah, I don't know what they're going to produce. They don't seem to, I, they try to grow pineapples, a lot of them, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I noticed a lot of, when I was there last, I saw a lot of irrigation going in. Well, you know, the islands are good for growing some stuff, like it's really good for fruit. I have some excellent citrus trees and I have great oranges and uh, I've got, uh, grapefruits, lemons, limes, Myers lemons, you know, like I say, I got my Mac trees, I got pineapples, white pineapples, and I have a fantastic vegetable garden that's full, beautiful salad stuff, you know, and uh, I uh, trying to grow rice, I got a big greenhouse, I'm gonna try to grow rice now. Good for you. That's, yeah, I love it. I think that's that's an important thing for folks is to try to become more self-sufficient for food. Yeah, that is the thing for sure. And to get, to be able to get, you know, seeds because yep. everything's in seed banks and they want everything is so that they can own the very seeds that grow the food that people That's eat. Monsanto. Yeah. I call them Monsatan, but, uh, you know, because they do want to genetically engineer everything and they are eugenicists. 
Yeah, and, you know, settled. they are like, what about these doctors that, you know, you look at them and it's like, oh, my God, some of these guys, they'll do anything for money. Doctors. Yeah. Um, money is, uh, you know, they talk about mammon, right? It's it's one of the most corrupting things. And uh, it's easy, seems to be easy for people to lose their souls. Yeah, I was thinking about in Nazi Germany, like, you know, the things that doctors and scientists did, they knew that what they were teaching and um, doing was, you know, against the very oath they took and uh, against science. But, you know, they still did it because, you know, for whatever reason they had for doing it. But they still did it, and they. I, and I think did. I think it's a lot about money and power, and status, and fame. All those classic sins, um, are are you know people. We we were talking about evil. Uh, evil, you're right, is like a pressure. It pushes into groups of people, and it and it spreads like a virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a virus for sure. It's a bacteria for sure. It can get into you through the air. You know, it's already in you. It can get activated at any time. You know, you never know what's going to activate it. A lot of times fear activates it. I agree. Yep. Fear, if if we want to speak biblically, fear is the devil's favorite weapon. Mm -hmm. He gets fat on that one. He feeds on that one. And our government has decided that, and CNN and the likes of that, have decided that fear is good business. Yeah, they have. It, it's really sickening to watch any any television um, news. It's just sickening because of what they're not reporting, what they're not telling us. That's what makes me so mad. The stories they are doing, they're already perverting the hell out of them, but... Um, the stuff they're not telling us. I mean, how can they look at themselves? I don't know. And they so just what, what do you think? What do you think about? They just want to activate the mentally ill. It's like a, a thing they're doing. It's a psyop or something to, yep. to, uh, to weaponize mental illness. So, what do you think about these uh, young people like Tommy uh, in alternative media? These, this, you know, the podcast and everything else. Is that changing things? Absolutely. It, it's a, the hope. It's I agree. The hope we have for our country and that, um, you know, for the soul of the youth that will go be beyond us, you know. Um, yeah, we we really appreciate it. That's why we come on here. And, uh, you know, we want to we want to teach them because, you know, half of them are numbskulls, but it ain't their fault. Yeah, well, I, I was a numbskull. He's back. What'd you say, Dr. Malone? You froze up for a second. Sorry, I said I was a numbskull when I was that age too. So uh um uh maybe even Roseanne was. I who knows. Now, how old are you again? 24? I'm 32. 32. Yeah, I'm 32. Jeez, when I was 32, let me think what I was doing. Well, I already had four kids. You got any kids? I don't. I kind of went backwards. At twenty three, I was I was gotten to medical school. Now at thirty two, I'm doing a podcast. So I kind of went backwards in maturity. 
Did you graduate from medical school? No, I got accepted, uh, realized I wasn't happy, turned it down. Uh, a couple weeks later, my older brother took his life, and then I kind of went into like a downward spiral of six years and eventually started this podcast. So I'm not really sure what the purpose of all of this is, but one thing I have learned with Dr. Malone, he's one of the reasons I got banned from YouTube, <laughs> is is to stand your ground. And I think there's an important quote that we, and I've been quiet this whole time because Roseanne told me to shut up, so I shut up because I respect her, but... One of the things we haven't talked about is the quote that it costs nothing to be the second patriot. No one, no one minds once somebody started moving in that direction. It's very easy to get behind it and go, I'm all for free speech. But no one wants to do it when you get banned, demonetized, and worst. I mean, the worst part is, is when you get yelled at and ostracized by friends. That's the biggest threat they can do is not taking your money away. It's when your friends stop talking to you, when your family starts thinking you're weird. That's the thing that keeps most of us in a cage it's it's as old as, as the human genome is to not be pushed away from the tribe but when you know something is right how about down. when everything you how about when everything you fought for for years probably nine years uh to make happen on television and met such horrendous uh resistance uh, and still you fought on because it, you felt it was right. Met horrid resistance that took a toll on your body, your life, your children's life, everything. Those same people who resisted made you like crawl to get like, mm -hmm. you know, certain characters or something said, now call you a racist. Those same people. And then they lied and um, tricked me in, a, in a, a time of mental distress, which they caused, and stole my work of all my years and cut me out of my own creation with you know a little bit amount of money, which they told me they would renegotiate if the show was picked up. And it has been for five years. I haven't gotten a dime. But anyway, all my ideas all my characters based on my children and my life. And uh, they didn't even uh, bat an eye in uh, that, in um, blinking away my contribution to my own show and left nothing of me standing, killed the character, left nothing of me standing, assassinated my character and my character over and over and over. Um, when they knew, they knew that I had, uh, you know, I didn't know the woman was black. And they knew that I didn't know that and that I had made a mistake. Okay. So they still called me a racist after a lifetime on television as a civil rights act activist. And um, then the people that I gave jobs to and created characters for and sat there and made sure their lines were significant and that I wasn't the only one getting the laugh, which is how it was written. Um, they could care less. And um, that really, really shook me because I thought I was respected and, um, you know, loved even. And it, I was, you know, it wasn't. And my contribution and my persona and my lines 
and my ideas, they weren't respected either. It meant shit to those people whom I, you know, made rich. It's like, wow, talk about getting pimp slapped. And uh, that's what it was. And it was a dressing down too from the first time I ever stepped foot, dared to step foot into Hollywood as a woman. And I say the definition of a woman is me. And um, all, all the gaslighting they do is just despicable. And I am so enjoying seeing how they are falling in the public's estimation and opinion because. So you were, you were betrayed. Oh, hundreds of times. Yeah. That's that, I think by that's... people that, you know, by people who guaranteed they had my back this time, unlike last time when they put me through holy hell, I had about 16 nervous breakdowns. This time I had a nervous breakdown too, but, you know, and they knew I was having it and that's when they screwed me. <laughs> I mean, yep. I don't even blame them in the least because I know that my enemy is uh, a force that gets into them. They're just sock puppets, but, you know, I know my enemy, I know who that is and I know why. And, uh, through it all, you know, my faith in my own spirit and my connection to what I, to, you know, my creator, that grew stronger and stronger. Funny, isn't it? That's the one thing they don't know nothing about is the human spirit or the human soul, since they don't have neither one of them, don't know what it is. May have once, but nothing's in there maybe a spark which i hope my words would ignite in them and they could come back to the human race by simply you know making right what they've done wrong and wanting to and we would accept them back like these billionaires mm -hmm. they could all get together and solve every problem on earth and they could do it because it's the right thing to do and then we, they could be our heroes hell mm -hmm. we they'd have uh the best food, women, song, wine that exists on the earth. They'd be heroes, but, you know, they should give that a thought. You can always come back to the human race if you have a soul. A lot of these people going around, they don't have that. and They don't know what it is. I think that there's, and I can only speak for myself, but it makes me think of the Ram Dass quote. When you're alone by yourself at night and there's no one's eyes to look into to tell you how great you are. I often <laughs> think of that, but I mean, be getting into medical school, being at gaining 70 pounds after my brother committed suicide, getting sober, doing this podcast, getting shut down, Dr. Malone getting attacked, you getting attacked. Even after this show, when it's all done and the computer's off and I'm just sitting in this chair, there is a, there's a, it sucks, but there's a peace and there is a, I can look at myself. And without a hesitation, say to myself earnestly and be like, you're all right. You stood for it. No one can take that away. And it's the participation trophy that nobody else can have. So they can attack mm -hmm. me. I've been called. A, I mean, I'm a white guy with blue eyes who's heterosexual from an upwardly mobile family, a conservative Christian. I mean, come on. I mean, fuck me. Right. That's fine. 
I know what I am. I know what I do. And there's a piece in there. And sure, the piece sucks and the piece doesn't pay the bills. But it's a piece that I have and I have alone. And I just, when I'm by myself. I have to correct you there, kid. Yes, ma'am. That piece does everything. It, okay. it does pay the bills. You, you just stop saying that now. Okay. You just say, this piece does pay the bills. Because the things we say are very, very powerful. And uh, I'm telling you, in the real world, that, that piece is everything. There's nothing else. There's yes, nothing else. I agree. You're very lucky that you have it. Well, thank you. I think um, I think that you know sometimes you got to know when uh, everything's just gone perfectly. I think that I think this podcast just landed on the runway perfectly, and I so said we wrap this one up in a bow. How about you guys? I'd well, be it's, happy it's certainly that. been my pleasure to meet you, uh, Doctor Barr. <laughs> Doctor Barr, and, and I hope we have an opportunity to talk again. I would love to speak to you again. I'd love to have you on my podcast as well, and you too, son. Oh, thank you, thank what you. What a pleasure it was for me to speak with both of you. Um, Thank you very much. I will oh. I'll put I'll put you guys in touch. And the unsung hero off camera, Mr. Jake Barr. Thank you for putting this together and being Isn't he a great me. son? He's he a is stud. a great son. I a... tell you what, I've got two uh wonderful sons and um uh three wonderful daughters. And I thank God for that. And, and Jake is going to actually come on this show, I think, this Sunday. And he and I are going to That kid is a smart one. Well, I shouldn't say kid. He's in his 40s. <laughs> but he's a smart boy. Man. He's 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 going to come on here, and he and I are going to shoot the shit. About what? I don't know. And I hope Jake's so, ready for it. That'll be so, a good one. Doctor, you are a pleasure. Well, thanks. I was going to say, Roseanne, do you, you remember anything about Harry Truman? I know it was before your time. No, remember, I do remember. You remember he's his election campaign? Family. Uh, what? what they'd say, they'd say, give him hell, Harry. And he'd say, I just tell the truth and they think it's hell. <laughs> <laughs> Harry like Truman. Yeah, another fun fact about Harry Truman is when he was president, he used to have the pilot of Air Force One, whatever it was called back then, fly over the people he didn't like, the states, the senators he didn't like, and he'd have the bathroom evacuated over their state. So that's another <laughs> thing about Harry Truman is he'd literally shit on his enemies. But, uh, I'll tell you one more thing about Harry Truman that my uh, mother's boyfriend, he told me, and he was in the 81st Airborne Division there, and uh, Arnie Leibowitz, and he told me, he said it was Harry S. Truman that gave birth to the state of Israel. Oh, yeah, right, 47, right? Correct. 48. 40, damn it. I don't know. I was doing so well. Is no, I think you're right. 47 was CIA. Maybe you're know. right. I don't know. No, no, I think it is Christians 48. Christians usually know more about Israel than Jews. I should. What do I know? <laughs> um, uh, Dr. Barr and Dr. Malone, I'll put you guys in touch. I'll share your numbers Thank and you, you guys can do that. And uh, Jake, I will see you on Sunday. Miss Roseanne right. Barr, Dr. Robert Malone, thank you so much for your At time. Ease, man. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>